Okay. Welcome back to Cake Bites, everybody. I am really excited about today's episode, and that's because it gave me an opportunity to bring Patrick Scott Patterson back on the show. So, Scott is a video game historian, right? We've discussed this in the first episode. But the other title that Scott holds is that of a video game advocate. As a video game advocate, Scott is the counterpoint to the argument that video games are a reason that people are getting, quote-unquote, increasingly more violent. And most recently, after the Parkland shooting in Florida. There's been discussion about all potential causes for gun violence in school and a pretty popular argument that has been a mainstay over the last 30 or 40 years would be that, you know, video games are one of the causes. But as we all know, there has been multiple studies. In addition to the issue being taken up to the Supreme Court, the video game industry does its due diligence and stated the ESRB, but I'm I mean, okay. I'm going to just let Scott do the talking. So without further ado, here's Patrick Scott Patterson. That's that's the precious on the mind right now, and I didn't get to say everything I wanted to to CW the other day. So very, <laughs> well, it was just a ninety-second clip, so. right? <laughs> but um, so Trump recently met with members of the video game industry to <laughs> discuss video games' impact in violence in American society, and I know that you have touched on this topic a lot. It's been kind of your bread and butter for how many years now? I've been, shoot, I've been dealing with that conversation since I was a kid. I mean, they were, <laughs> that's when people don't realize that the violent video game debate didn't even start with Mortal Kombat Doom. It goes all the way back to the late 70s and early 80s. So, I mean, there's, there were, I don't, can't, I can't think of a time where I wasn't talking about that with somebody. And then the very first panels and stuff that I would do were on this type of a topic. So, I mean, it's been a long time. This is a perennial subject. And honestly, I've, I had thought we'd moved past it, but unfortunately, it doesn't seem like we have. Yeah, if I'm remembering the role of the people that were actually at this meeting, it was uh, somebody from Rockstar. From, was... from Bethesda's parent company. Yeah. You had ESA representatives and former ESA people there. And then there was that family, um, the, the family company. Oh, you have Parents Television Council. Yes. You have L. Brent Bozell was there, which yes. is like inviting, you know, Bozo the Clown, to be honest with you. I mean, <laughs> this guy, I mean, it's the guy that thing, thought, thought Teletubbies was going to make kids gay. So, I mean, this is not someone who's well-grounded and be t- talking about anything like that. But, yeah, he was invited because he's been boisterous about this sort of thing. And we also saw one of the main conversation topics was a tweet by Trump as well that said that maybe they should look into a rating system for video games. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but as most of us know, especially those who worked in GameStop at one point or another, <laughs> <laughs> having to enforce the ESRB is a very unpopular part of the job. And how long ago was the ESRB instated? Like in 1994, ironically, because then there were congressional hearings about this sort of thing in the wake of games like Mortal Kombat becoming very popular. And then, you know, they freaked out about Night Trap, made it a cult classic overnight. Nobody played Night Trap <laughs> before they brought it up. And then they didn't obviously look very far into the game, but... Um, well, most of us didn't want to anyway, but 
you know, is even back then. And you had, you know, Joe Lieberman and, and people like that leading that charge. So, which it, kind of reason I point that out is because it's, there's very few things in politics that both sides seem to have a, a thing on, and yet both sides of the political spectrum have beat this horse to death for way too long. And what are the reasons the argument comes and goes? Like, obviously, people get all up in arms about video game violence, and then it manages to go away. Is that just, it gets, it's been in the media for long enough that people kind of just stop paying attention? Obviously, the ESRB was probably a big way to quell that argument. It was. I mean, they, they, that was proposed because it's better for the industry to try to regulate itself. You had some companies like Sega that already were putting ratings on, but you had multiple different ratings and there wasn't a consistency. They ESRB was proposed as a way of saying, well, let us police ourselves and let us label this content so that parents can be informed about what type of content or potential contents in the game, and you government people can just back off. And that's what they did, and they've, they've been pretty good about that. And most retailers, and despite what some people want to claim, most retailers won't sell rated M games to someone that's underage. I worked for Target for you know many years back, and I remember we have that a lot. It really kind of comes back to the parenting with that. I remember Grand Theft Auto Vice City came out. We were selling that thing like that all day. And we kept having kids come up to the counter and wanting to buy it, and we couldn't. We were prompted like they were buying cigarettes. Even though it's not an official law or regulation, We were the retailer was doing their job. The thing is, is that most of those kids just went back and got parents. Parents came up and happily bought it for them. Now, I'm not telling anyone how to be a parent. Mm-hmm. I'm not telling anyone how to do their job. I'm just pointing out that the parents were making that decision, Definitely. and they were aware of the content. The only only one didn't. It was a grandmother, and she was. And of course, then she started yelling at me like, "Why do they make games like this for kids? <laughs> they don't make games like this for kids. This game's for adults." Like, well, video games are a kids thing. No, ma'am, they're not. They're for everybody. There's cartoon characters. We're gonna do this all day. There's hookers <laughs> in the game. You do. You want to buy it for your grandkid? That's not. It's not on me. I just can't sell it to them. It's like, no, I, I'm not gonna buy that for. Okay, there was like one out of like twenty-seven people that, that that said no. So you know, when these critics get on about that sort of thing, they blame the retailers and they blame the industry. They don't talk about the parents, mm-hmm. and that just always kind of drives me crazy. It comes down to the parents, and usually the parents are well aware or the ones playing the games themselves mm-hmm. these days. So I think that's part of where it kind of keeps coming back to that is these critics seem to be blissfully ignorant to the fact that video games are not a kid's thing, that the majority of gamers are adults. And at this point in time, video games have been around for so long that there are entire generations, there are people in their 30s and 40s that never knew a time that didn't have video mm-hmm. games. I'm 42 years old, and I grew up on video games. (laughs) Video games are older than me. At this point in time, it's it's been around so long that it is is mainstream entertainment. It is not an island unto itself. It is not something that a little niche group of people play or enjoy. It's just like television, movies, music, as an entertainment choice that everyone tends to partake in. I'd say we're half a generation away from it being that you're not going to have a generation that didn't come up gaming. You're not going to have one at all. The baby boomers were probably the last one where at least a large section of that generation wasn't into them. Even some of them game. Now, that's not even blanket labeling now, but that's hit and miss in that generation. You can go back beyond that anywhere else, and there you go. So I think that's where that comes in. I think another part of it, and I've said this on a couple of different media interviews now, and it doesn't seem to be making air, which um, I got questions about that myself, but 
Eric here. I think part of it, quite frankly, is the fact that when these things come down, when these violent, terrible things, these school shootings, these mass shootings, and stuff like that takes place, they have to blame something. Mm -hmm. The American people require, demand action, or at least conversation, or at least some semblance that they can claim as action. Well, who are the lobby groups that are lining those politicians' pockets, and who are the ones that aren't or can't? The video game industry does not have the ability to be doing that. The NRA is, motion picture industry, they do it a lot, especially in certain states where that's very, very big part of an economy. Television industry, they have lobbyists, they, have, they make political donations, that sort of thing. And so the politicians aren't going to go after that stuff. Hey, there's video games. Video games over there. We can go after video games. We can blame video games for this. We can go after that. That is, to me, always why that is. Because we're just now getting to the point where we're getting enough. The ESA, I've worked with the ESA on initiatives. Whether what is the it be ESA? I don't the Entertainment it's... Software Association. Um, they run E3. I've worked with them. I've worked with them for a thing at E3. I've worked with them on putting out, getting gamers, encouraging them to go out and vote. I've worked with them, I, I, so I know a little bit about their work ethic, and they do a really good job for this industry. I know some people in this industry and some of the YouTube people and that sort of thing don't always agree with that, and you're never going to agree with 100% of anybody, says. So, but they do a, a really good job for the industry, and thankfully they did get invited. They didn't even know about the meeting at first. Thankfully, they had representatives there. Um, I think they're the reason why this meeting was, quote-unquote, inconclusive, because they're able to present these things called facts. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, as opposed to opinion, they're able to present facts and statistics and information. Yeah. A little thing like, hey, you know, the Supreme Court already ruled <laughs> on this. Um, but that's what I think it is. I think that the Trump administration... And, and this is not a po long political lines. The Obama administration did the exact same thing. So anyone out there that's going to, ah, he's talking about, no. The Obama administration did the same thing because Joe Biden had a meeting to talk about this stuff just the same. Both cases, Republican or Democrat, the administration's like, okay, we have to do something. We have to show that we're responding to these tragedies. What can we do? And that, that's what it is. And it's because they don't have millions of dollars being funneled into their campaigns by video game lobbies or video game companies like they do other industries, that sort of thing. And I think that is the sole reason why they keep going back to that. And so I didn't know that the Supreme Court had ruled on this previously until I was reading about the meeting um, between uh, the Trump administration. This, it's why I thought it was dead in the water at that point. So because can you explain? Because, you know, apparently this had, people seem to think it's not closed, the, this particular case. So. Well, what's funny about it is that the Supreme Court actually, it actually got kicked around twice. Um, a lot of people don't realize back in, uh, we're not too far away from the central point of this first one back in the late 70s and early 80s, the city of Mesquite, Texas, a suburb of Dallas, um, tried to enforce some old pinball law against the Bally's Aladdin's castle chain, which wanted to set up at Townies Mall, uh, saying that classifying them basically as an 18 and up business. Saying, you know, children, no one under the age of 18 can play these arcade video games in public without a parent being present. Uh, Aladdin's Castle fought the city of Mesquite. It went all the way up to the Supreme Court, who was like, this is a waste of time. Take it back. 
and it got ruled in favor of Aladdin's castle. Saying you can't do that. All right, you can't do that. These these are uh, these are an art form. You can't do that. You can't restrict it like that. Um, but it didn't go away. So we go to some time back now. Uh, it was during the Schwarzenegger administration out in California, and they wanted to regulate video games, much like you'd regulate tobacco, alcohol, that sort of thing, where it's like there's a rating system, yes, but we want to actually make it illegal. We want to actually regulate this like that. Now, some people, when they hear that sort of thing, they're like, okay, well, big deal. If they can't sell it to someone under 18 anyway, that would actually greatly harm the video game industry. There are retailers that will not carry regulated products, for example. Would you need a license? Like you need a license to sell alcohol? I don't remember the exact no. specifics, but it's what they wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there are some parts of the country, for example, where no Walmarts will carry anything that's 18 and over. So they wouldn't be carrying Call of Duty anymore, Borderlands anymore. They wouldn't be carrying that sort of stuff anymore. So, you know, it got fought and went all the way up with Brown versus EMA. And it went all the way up to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court, it's like, uh, this is free speech. It's artistic expression, just like films, just like books, just like music, whatever. You can't regulate that sort of thing. It's kind of called the First Amendment. You can't regulate that sort of thing like that. And... It, they ruled in favor of the industry, and it should have ended it. <laughs> but here we go, you know, the President of the United States. I mean, my phone lit up and danced around the day that that came out of Trump's mouth because it's like, here we go. You know, like I thought this was this conversation was over, and it kind of is. It wouldn't be easy for them to go and do something like that, but it doesn't mean they're not going to try. Mm -hmm. To me, it's a waste of time right now because I'd rather they be talking about real issues that might actually prevent more Parklands from happening, more Vegases from happening. Um, you know, it, it, that's, I mean, I know opinions are all over the place on that. And I'm not anti-gun. I think people deserve a right to be able to protect themselves, obviously. I consider hunting and all that to be a very valid sport. Those are sporting activities, target practice, shooting, skeet. But in my opinion, there are certain types of weapons and things like that that simply your average American citizen has no reason to be buying it. I go to the drugstore and I can only buy one pack of Sudafed. But I can go down the street and buy seven assault rifles. There's something wrong here. Um, I think the most important part, I have a hard time getting this one to make air a lot of times too, is that they like to claim that video games influence real world behavior. And they're failing to realize that real world behavior is what influences video games. Period. Yeah. That's what it is. Okay. Call of Duty, you're using weapons, at least except for a few additions over the last few years where they kind of got confused for a little bit. But <laughs> for the most part, you know, they use weapons that are real weapons. If those weapons didn't exist and were already glorified in the real world, they wouldn't be the game. Or they like to point at the Grand Theft Auto stuff. When Grand Theft Auto V came out, I did a lot of media interviews. And I had to point out that you want to look at Grand Theft Auto, they're like, oh, well, you can do this and this and this. And so there's two things about it. One, they're missing the fact that Grand Theft Auto games are actually a parody of the world as it exists already. Exactly. It is not influencing the world. The world influenced Grand Theft Auto. It is actually ridiculing everything about the world we live in. It really is. Um, I love Grand Theft Auto V for that because, man, they got L.A. down. Um, <laughs> except the traffic's still a little bit lighter. But, you know, that's about it. It's like 
Wow, they, they, every, everything you can throw out there exists in that. There's gun violence in the real world. So it, it's going to make it in the video games. Yeah, it's <laughs> like it's in movies. It's like it's in all of these other things. If it wasn't real world, it wouldn't be in these games. And then there's the thought, too. It's like it's ridiculous where they're like, oh, well, these games are so hyper realistic. So really not. Um, if you've ever shot an actual gun, they're not. <laughs> you know, it's like. Yeah, okay, maybe you can hit that guy in Call of Duty with your AR-15, but you go out and shoot that in real life, you've got the weight, got, you know, the kickback, you've got wind, you've got, you know, the weather condition, you've got all these factors in real life that's like, it doesn't teach you how to do that. No more than being good in Madden, you know, qualifies me to go out and try out for the Dallas Cowboys, you know? I mean, it just doesn't. Or, or try to be a coach. Well, I call the right plays in Madden, I can go coach it. <laughs> You know, let me replace Jason Garrett. I'm pretty sure I'd be laughed out the building on that. Like, but I'm, I, I, I got a Guinness World Record certificate for Madden with the Cowboys. I'm qualified. Mm -hmm. They'd laugh me out the building, right? Mm -hmm. I would think so. I'd hope so. <laughs> so uh, why isn't it just as laughable that the idea of playing these games is going to teach someone or train someone how to use something like that? What I heard, and, and, and I'm not a big fan of, of the Trump administration, but I'm also trying to be fair. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not a fan because I'm not a fan of a lot of his policies and his actions and uh, things like that. But from what I heard is that he did seem to be listening to both sides of the argument and taking the information in. Take that for what it will. He didn't seem to come in with an agenda. He seemed to be listening and being receptive. So I'm not going to say anything different mm -hmm. than what I was told by people who either, you know, who were close enough to the people, some of the people who went on our side of it. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of what it is. Is I, I think part of it, I don't think the Trump administration, and again, I don't think the Obama administration, I don't think most of these administrations have already been well-versed enough in this to where they don't have that information going in. They don't already probably know about the ins and outs of this sort of thing. They know what they've heard and heard secondhand or been told or being had whispered in their ears, and then you've got people like an, with an agenda, like the PTC, uh, has always had an agenda, whether it be against you know Teletubbies or WWE or <laughs> video games. It's it's, and they're always been very ridiculous about it. Um, I'm even heard Jack Thompson's name a few times recently, and I'm like, oh god. Just go away, man. Who was Jack Thompson? Jack Thompson was the lawyer that was trying to file suits mm. uh, against companies like Best Buy and GameStop and a very outspoken, you know, video game critic for a lot of years. And uh, he kind of went away after uh, he got disbarred. And, of course, one of my favorite moments uh, was uh, <laughs> uh, Adam Sessler just completely owning him in a one-on-one -on -one, uh, televised point-counterpoint. I love Sess. Uh uh, he, uh, well, he, he spanked him hard on that one. It was beautiful. <laughs> so, but, uh, because it, this is one of the biggest problems too, which is maybe why this keeps coming up. And it, the wind has shifted on this a little bit, but for a long time, the video game debate really wasn't a debate. You had people from one side. I remember watching a Fox news broadcast one time after one of these many shootings and how tragic is it that we waste so much time playing video games and movies and stuff that these things keep happening. I don't even know which one it was anymore. But they went on and they had four talking heads and they were all on the video games are bad side. Mm -hmm. There was none. And then they finally did. They went and got this kid 
<laughs> that did some podcast that was so unprepared and put him against this smug guy. It was like, nothing stops them from becoming killers. And the kid wasn't well-versed enough to be on there. They, they threw a deer in a headlight. And it okay. made me mad. Oh, it made me mad because they're like, hello. I've been calling them on the phone. Uh, you know, um, for a long time, there was never the counterpoint. There was the point, and there was never allowed to be a counterpoint. And it, it has started to turn on that a little bit. And the media has actually been with that. And I think part of this is talking, showing how much video gaming has grown mm -hmm. to where now you actually have people in the media that they grew up on this mm -hmm. stuff. And off the record, most of the ones that have ever interviewed me about this stuff agree with me, but they're not in the editorial business. They're in journalism business. So they get me because they know I'm going to say what they wish they could. Mm -hmm. They have to be neutral. They agree with me on it. A local judge where I live came out on the, our local news channel and, and said he believes video games should be banned because of this. And, that was, and it was that tweet that I tagged you in. And that, yeah. it was, that was the segment that they ran later that evening. And it's like, you know, for me, just the fact that there's absolutely no attempt on, you know, to, I mean, here it's different because I know that you, you've been on quite a few of the news um, channels. Have you been on pretty much? You've been on I've been on all the local ones now in yeah. Dallas, Fort Worth, uh, sometimes for more fun stuff than this. But, but like, but, you know, where I live at, there's no, there's no interest in, in a different opinion, even though there are even game companies that in Bryan and College Station. Almost, that, that almost have to coming. force it. Well, I mean, here's the thing. I almost had to, for, I had to force it up here. Every time that this sort of thing would come up, I was pinging them. And the thing is, I was not just pitching me. I was like, if, even if you don't pick me, pick somebody that is related to it. And um, I'll, I'll give uh, uh, Gearbox Software, uh, former Gearbox guy David Eddings, uh, a little bit of the assist for getting me to start doing these. It was when Duke Nukem Forever's trailer went out. And uh, there was a local group that was very outspoken about it. Um, which scared, I'll get in a minute, it scared me when it broadcast because I thought for a minute like, oh no, um, I'll get into why because I was afraid it was going to go the other way because I was so jaded from the way video games, anyway, they went down to talk to Gearbox who didn't want to talk to him, but they said, go talk to this guy and they came and talked to me and that's the first time I got on news counterpointing it. Um, I just didn't realize that it was uh, like a women's, like a battered women's shelter or whatever was a counterpoint. So they have my opinion on it, oh. and then they go to that. And I'm like, oh no! They, you know, they, luckily they were fair, and they didn't do that. But I'm, I wrote the reporter like, next time, could you maybe tell me who the other point is? Because it terrified me for a minute. This could have gone a completely different way, depending on how they edited it. But luckily, they didn't. Um, they didn't do you dirty. <laughs> no, they didn't. Thankfully, but but it went a few things with this. Um, right down the street from where we're sitting right now, WFAA years back. I'm going to give them a plug because I think they were very open with this. Is there was a, I think it was in a shipyard a mass shooting the same day Grand Theft Auto V was coming out. I actually think Grand Theft Auto V was coming out the day, the next day. Mm -hmm. So people were waiting in line already for a midnight release, and then this terrible shooting happened. And two things that was worth note was one, they were bringing in a child psychology expert and bringing me to Counterpoint live unrehearsed on TV. <laughs> Secondly, is that once it turns yeah. out that the shipyard shooter had some mental issues, they separated them into two different stories. Because originally it was going to be about that, and then what influenced, because he liked to play video games, and Grand Theft Auto was coming out, and we're going to go into that. They split it into two separate stories, which I thought was very professional of them. 
because the new information came out that kind of takes video games out of this, but we're still going to do this. And um, everyone that watched the one-on-one said, I won that one because she's trying to say these certain things that I was able to shoot down, being like, there's never been a scientific study, peer, uh, peer-reviewed scientific study that proves what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for the most part, it comes down to the parenting. And I went into that whole thing. And you watch the video, there's two funny screen cap moments you want to catch. Is one, one of the first time I counterpointed her and went back to her, she's just kind of kind of sitting there for a second trying to process. Like, <laughs> you know, I just gave the whole rhetoric and he just shot me down. But then there was another one the other way where uh, it was beautiful because she said something and it comes back to me and I got this look on my face. It's like, <laughs> you know, as I start going in, you can tell for a minute where I'm just like, yeah, and then kind of go into it a little bit. And um, but you know, to, you know, you said that they did a fair job in getting, you know, a point counterpoint on the topic. Uh, now down in uh, Austin, one time I did have that same thing. What we had going on with that was I w- I had contacted. Uh, I was contacting Fox News, CNN, all that stuff on a national basis. And I remember the Fox affiliate down there actually told me, I'm sorry, not the Fox, the Fox National one on the news desk actually told me they were not interested in having a counterpoint. And I'm like, what? Um, everyone else took down information, never heard from them or whatever. So I started calling out Fox News heavily on social media. I was not being... They gave you the ammunition yeah. right there. And uh, so I was doing an appearance down at uh, uh, Pinball's Arcade down in Austin. I was there for something completely unrelated. And at one point, they're like, hey, uh, there's a media person here to see you. I'm like, cool. I'm thinking they're there for something else. I go up, and it was like someone from the local Fox affiliate. And he literally pulled out a piece of paper with something I would said on social media on it. And I'm like, this is you? Like, yes. Like, okay, we're here. Let's talk. Okay. And we did a whole thing there. Uh, and they talked with me, and they talked with a, a, a father that was there playing with his son and talked about it. And I remember watching it from the hotel room going, well, that's actually pretty well balanced. And then the anchor slipped in. Uh, certainly a topic that needs a lot more discussion. Thank you. It's just like, like no, wait a minute. You know, you, you, you're taking so one more dig in. this is the extra discussion in. you're referring to. Yeah. Just like we just, yeah, we just, you know, <laughs> the opposite side of this just got on your show, and you still have to kind of stick another thing on the back end of that. Like, no, 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 no. You don't do that. So, you know, they uh, they kind of still got their digs in. Okay. But, but, you know, like I said, it seems to be finally opening up, and mm-hmm. this is where this eventually I'm hoping can die out because we finally have a generation of people who are willing to stand up and speak on this who can. Certainly not everyone who's in the gaming that's online would probably be a good choice for it, but there's a lot more candidates than there was even five years ago that can go on and do this sort of thing. What we need more of is what we got, meetings that have both sides on it. Um, and not during a to hearing situation. We need more politicians. And I'd love it if some politicians heard this. This could get paired to some. Politicians need to understand something. Remember I said before, the majority of video game players are adults. That means they're old enough to vote. Politicians want votes. They need to get off of this sort of thing because it's actually costing them votes to pursue this sort of wild goose chase. 
And how many times is it going to get thrown out? Brown versus EMA got ruled against, you know, got ruled in favor of the industry. All right, you had uh, Will Fourkiller years ago, try up in, I think it was Oklahoma, trying to do the the violent video game tax. What he wanted to tax any game that was rated T or up, for you know, and it was amusing because it's like, okay, so Just Dance is going to have a tax on it because <laughs> of this, like you know, and it got thrown, it got thrown out. You know, how many times, every time they try to this stuff, it gets shot down. Mm-hmm. Um, and which is great because it's not the problem that they need to even be talking about. So stop wasting our time. They're causing themselves, they're costing themselves votes. And uh, we are living in very, very, very interesting political times mm-hmm. right now. And due to that, um, I think they need to keep that sort of thing in mind and maybe go stick to the actual issues. Because, like I said on that newscast the other night, video games didn't exist at all right now. It would change nothing else in what's going on. It just simply wouldn't. It is not, it has nothing to do with what is happening with these type of violent acts. Uh, and for me, it's just the, the obvious argument, the obvious counter-argument is that, well, what is wrong with Americans then that only this population of people playing these games distributed worldwide are prone to violence after playing these games. Like, what is it about Americans then that are that push them to be prone towards violence if other places in the world are playing these exact games? Well, there's a general frustration in the country right now all around. It's been around for quite a long time now. Yeah. Again, regardless of administration. It's just so silly. Is, like, you know, you, you've, you know life, life in America isn't as easy as it used to be. Uh, frankly, that's part of it. Um, the fact that people who have uh, mental health challenges cannot easily get diagnosis or care for what they need is certainly part of it. The easy accessibility of weapons that are designed to do nothing but kill other human beings is certainly a very big part of it. Um, it's not just one simple mm-hmm. thing, but uh, if anything, I think video games would be an outlet. Definitely. I know. I, I've, I've never felt the inclination to shoot a person in my life. I was raised that you didn't do that. Like everybody is from time to time, though, I might have the inclination of feeling like I want to punch somebody <laughs> or whatever like that. Uh, video. I'll, I'll pick up a video game and do it on there, and I don't feel like doing it anymore. Just saying. You know, it's an outlet, um, you know, that, you know, or, you know, go hit the gym with some heavy weights. You don't have that problem anymore uh, uh, a great great man uh, that I wish he was around in the world right now Fred Rogers Mr. Rogers that's why he played piano he played piano he learned to play piano because it was an outlet when he felt angry Mr. Rogers felt anger everyone gets angry or upset about <laughs> something sometimes yeah. but it's just what it is you know I think that it's a variety of things so you have these st- you have this stress-filled nation or someone lost their job, or maybe they served our country and came back, and they they have nothing. Hey, there's the door. The VA will come. Will let you in about once a month, and uh, have fun. And they can't get the care they need, and you know, and, and they feel like you know this is how they need to lash out. And honestly, the media I feel has a responsibility in this too. I agree. Um, a lot of times they glorify these killers and you so what you do is you got someone out there 
who has the capability of committing something like this. And they certainly have nothing stopping them from getting the weaponry to do it. And Clearly. they're frustrated with the world or they're frustrated with certain people or a certain person or like Elliot Rogers was frustrated with women that he felt were rejecting him unfairly or whatever mm -hmm. because he was he thought he was so awesome. And all, and all the warnings, all the warning signs were there, mm -hmm. and no, nothing was ever done. And this guy never got any help, um, you know. And they, they're sitting there and they're watching the news, and someone goes and commits one of these terrible acts. They're instantly famous. Their face and their name is now household. Rolling Stone years ago had put one of these killers on their cover. For God's sakes, you don't know the names of the victims. You don't know the names of the first responders. You don't know the names. I mean, they, they'll sometimes put them up in passing, but then they forget really quickly, and they want to talk about the killer. They want to talk about the killer. They want to talk about the coach who selflessly ran to the gunfire and personally shielded multiple children from getting shot at the cost of his own life. Mm -hmm. They talk about the killer. Especially, and especially with the Parkland situation because he is alive. And, you know, is going to be going through what I assume is going to be a very, very public trial, even though we all know what the outcome is going to be. Yeah. You know, and, and he's just going to continue to, to build that notoriety. I mean, I, I work full time in media and I know that, you know, we, we syndicate stories about, about Parkland because people genuinely care about Parkland. But so much of it is about Cruz being indicted, Cruz you know, being in jail, well, get his Cruz's family, which well, is... Well, and this is always how this goes. You don't need to glorify these people. Obviously, there's interest and there's news, but mm -hmm. it's the way they glorify this sort of thing. And, uh, you know, even to this day, people know the name of the Columbine killers, you know, and they don't know the names of the victims anymore. They know the name of the school. They know the negative sides of it. And that's, that is just, that's incredibly uh, unfortunate. And I think the media, I understand, because I was a journalism major, I understand the media has to report on some of these things as they take place. They have to report on this stuff. But when they do the extra stuff, when they do the features, when they do the other discussion, what can be done to prevent this or whatever, why not do more about the people who tried to prevent it or do more to show how terrible this thing is rather than romanticizing and glorifying it to a point to where maybe somebody out there watching that's thinking, I'm so fed up with the world, I want to go do this. Maybe they would look at this and be like, you know, I can't stomach to do that to these people like they did because look at what it happened, look at what it caused, look at the pain it caused. Some won't care, but if you even get just a few, that's enough. Charles Manson died last year. Good riddance. There were people that actually put, you know, R.I.P., you know, Charles Manson on social media and stuff like that. It's like this was a disgusting human being mm -hmm. that did terrible things. Why are you actually celebrating his life like that? Exactly. No, 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 no. No, man, if anything, you know, I mean, it's, you know, you didn't do that when bin Laden died. Everybody was cheering. Oh, man, I went and got a, a six-pack and kicked back because <laughs> I kind of figured it was coming. The weird thing is the first American that seemed to know about it was Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who tweeted something like, there's something, and then I heard Obama's calling, Obama's calling a press conference at like 
10 o'clock at night. Uh-huh. There's only one thing it can be. I went out and we got some drinks. We celebrated. We didn't sit there and be like, oh, R.I.P. Osama. It's like, suck it, man, <laughs> for what you did. You know, there's bad people like that. And, you know, but Manson was glorified. And, and because he was glorified, he became a hero to people who weren't quite right. And that's what they end up doing with these other people. They create heroes of these people. There's people out there that actually end up sympathizing with the people who committed these acts, especially when they sit there and be like, well, he was bullied in school Women and he just lost him. he just lost his mother and he was bullied. And it's like someone out there is like, wow, that sounds like me. Maybe I can do because growing up, I was that bullied loner that liked to wear dark color, who liked to watch violent media, mm-hmm. who liked to play video games, which even then were considered violent. You shot things and blew things up, who listened to rock music and even rap music back when it was actually good. Um, you know, and uh, he's nodding. He knows what I'm talking about. But uh, there's a style to it back in the 90s, man, I tell you. But, you know, who got in the fights at school, things like that. And I had access to guns. My dad was an avid hunter. And I, there was nothing stopping me from going into where he kept his guns at any time. I knew where the key to the room was. Mm-hmm. I was raised in a way that said my parents were far from perfect, believe me. But they taught me that's not something you do. These are here. You do not turn these on a human being unless that human being is threatening your life. Someone breaks into the house and is coming after you. Pick one up and blast them. But other than that, you don't do that. That is wrong. That is not what you do. That is not what these are here for. It is not what you. That is not the right thing. Those are values instilled in me. I fit that whole profile the way that they painted all the time, and I was taught no. And I li- and I grew up in a period where we didn't have a twenty four seven news cycle. Mm-hmm. So the media has to think about that sort of thing, right? Well, who is this killer? Don't, don't sit there and turn him into a sympathetic figure. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, okay, I, if he was bullied, hey, I was there too, whatever. I still didn't go pick up a gun and go shoot people at school. It never even crossed my mind. It was never even something that I considered, mm-hmm. period. All right? I got through it. I grew up. I have a lovely family. I have done even at just 42 years old, there's not many things I grew up wanting to do with my life that I haven't done to some extent. <laughs> I, I, it gets better. Yeah. And I guess maybe that's, maybe that's where I'll close with anyone that might hear this that might feel that way. Is it does get better. Mm-hmm. I agree. It, it, it gets better. You grow up. You, you, it gets better. It's not easy. It's damn hard. It gets better especially if you allow yourself to let go of a few things too. Because mm-hmm. revenge might be a thing that sounds whatever, but you carry a grudge, uh, you hold a grudge, carry a grudge, hold and carry. You know, those are actions. That means you're putting forth an effort. Sometimes just let it be and, and do what's right for you. Don't get the feeling of taking it out on someone else because mm-hmm. that just consumes you anyway. Let it go. Go do something for yourself. And because uh, you'll get to a point in your life where these people that have caused you that type of torment, you're never going to see or hear from them again anyway. Mm-hmm. They're not in your life forever, hopefully. They don't have to be. Really, that's up to, that's up to the individual anyway. Mm-hmm. You don't ever have to pay attention to anybody. 
I went on for a while on that one. No, no, but let's just, I think we can all agree that we really hope (laughs) that this doesn't, well, will not continue to be the scapegoat. This won't continue to be the narrative. Like I said, to me, the time that's being spent on that witch hunt is time that's being wasted on talking about some very real issues. Mm -hmm. And this country's got a lot of very real issues. I mean, this isn't even necessarily related to to gun violence, but I feel like saying it since I have a microphone on and it's fresh on my mind. Um, We had a family funeral yesterday, and he served. So it was with military honors. I love our troops. I respect the hell out of anybody who ever put on a uniform and served this country. Where was all this talk about doing things right by our veterans and all this sort of stuff? I haven't seen any of that. I've seen lots of talk about building walls and giving tax cuts to the 1%. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen that. I still see veterans that are struggling to even get into the VA, you know, for even the simplest of things. I still hear about veterans that are on the streets. It came. It was sad yesterday, not just because we buried a family member, but because I realized that about the only thing this country does right for veterans after they're out of the service is bury them. Why don't we spend some more of this time on fixing that instead of throwing money at a parade of military might or whatever like they want to do or talking about blaming video games or whatever like that? Let's, let's spend our time on things like helping our veterans get jobs or the, the health care that they need and, quite frankly, deserve to get more easily. Or if we are going to talk about the gun violence stuff, talk about things that are actually going to help it. Mm -hmm. Um, Raising the age, okay, maybe, but most of the people that commit these acts are over 21, so that's just lip service. That's something to point at and say you did. Yes, bump stocks should be illegal. There's no reason for them. It's just meant for you to kill people faster. You're not not hunting deer with those guns. Um, You know, you're not not hunting quail with bump stocks, (laughs) right? (laughs) It's not, you know, things like that, but you know, there really should be. I think that the the background checks should be a lot more elaborate. It shouldn't. It, you can better reporting it, take, by take, national agencies that influence the background checks. Absolutely, that, that's a big one. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's it, go go to a car dealership, try to buy a car. You're there all day. Go to a gun dealer, try to buy a gun. You're in and out. Shouldn't be that way. If they can run my credit and know I had one delinquency seven months ago immediately, like on my credit score, then it's like. Yeah, things like that. The background check stuff needs to be shored up. Loopholes, gun show loopholes need to be closed. Mm-hmm. Things like that. It's simple. Do it. Do what's right and spend the time talking about that sort of thing. You know, and I know the NRA feeds these people a lot of money. And, yeah. and that's what it is. But And I don't think that's ever going to change. But, you know, how about if you're going to have meetings, sit down with them and be like, look, hey, super donor, I'm not trying to get on your ass here, but... We need to seriously talk about this and even try to come to some sort of a compromise or something. Spend this time on real issues and yeah. not something like this. This That was a grand waste of time the other day, frankly. And, and it sounds like it was. Nothing changed. Nothing came out of it. That we, you know, Nothing is any different now because that's a topic that doesn't even need to be discussed. Mm-hmm. So I think that it, maybe we, you know, that that's what I would love to see. Yeah. Because 
I hate to, to be morbid on this. Uh, we're going to have another one like it somewhere any day or week now or month now. We know we are. That's a sad thing to think about. But part of it's because nothing has changed from since Parkland that is going to do that. We've been talking about, or they were talking about video games. Is a video game somehow going to change something like that from happening again? It won't. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about some real issues in this world, you know? I definitely agree. Or they should. We can talk about whatever we want, but, <laughs> but, but they should. Our political leaders should be spending time on, on some far more important stuff. No, so that was really good. That was actually, I was, at first I was afraid that it wasn't going to be very All right, so that was the newest episode of Kick Bites. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen. As always, you can find show notes for today's episode on cakebites.com along with the videos that Scott talked about today, his recent interview with a CW affiliate in Dallas, and I'll see if I can find anything else fun to put on uh, the show notes for you guys. As always, be sure to follow me on Facebook, Instagram, anywhere on social media. You can find me at cakebites, uh, as well as taking a look at the Cake Bites Patreon and be sure to follow me on Twitch that way you can get alerts when I finally go live on my incredibly intermittent streaming schedule but I promise it'll get more regular just go ahead and follow me on Twitch at Cake Bites and I'll see you guys next week